We're going to preach through the book of Acts this morning. No, I'm not. I'm only kidding. I've got to stay here by the, by the pulpit so I, I don't use the remote because if I do the remote, I, re, I, I remove. <laughs> I move. I'm all, I just, so when I pastored in Connecticut, I, Sunday morning, I preached a whole message from the back row. I said, y'all won't join, join, y'all won't join me down front. I'll come meet you in the back. And I sat in the back row, preached a whole message. Say, say, you, you all right? Okay, they're all right back there. All right, Acts chapter 1. We'll begin reading verse number 1. The form of treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, having seen in them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, and not many days hence. And when they would therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons for which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of, uh, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up unto heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now we find here the Lord giving his final instructions to his disciples just before his ascension. In verse number five, he's promised them the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then in verse number six, they ask that all familiar question that the Jews were always asking, where's the kingdom? When's the kingdom? If you are truly Messiah, Messiah was going to bring in the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? And the Lord, in all of his politeness and gentleness, in verse number seven, he told them, that's none of your business. That's what he said, really. He said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. That's none of your business. But in the meantime, I've got a job for you to do. And that's the key to this portion of Scripture. I've got a job for you to do in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall. It's not an option, folks. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's a command. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and unto the uttermost, uh, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Here the Lord gives us, Christians, the body of Christ, the church, not the building, us, the church, our mission in verse number eight, to be witnesses for him. Now, throughout scripture, we find different references to the church. In Acts 11 and verse 26, the church was first called Christians in Antioch. Understand that that was not a term of endearment. That was a term of arrest. That was a term of execution. It was not popular to be a Christian back in the book of Acts. But they were first called Christians in Antioch, in Acts in chapter 11 and verse number 26. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, the church is called the body of Christ. 
In Corinthians, it's called, we are called sons and daughters. In Revelation, we're called the bride of Christ. In Romans, we're called heirs, joint heirs with Christ, sons of God. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. I am a child of the king. I am not part of God's family. That's the nation of Israel. I am a child of the king. I am joint heirs with Christ and will inherit all that Christ will is, has inherited as being son of God. I can cry, Abba, Father. Pastor talked about that last week when he said that word Abba is a term of endearment. It's like calling God the Father Daddy. You know why? Because he's my daddy. I'm not just part of the family. That's like being a second cousin. That's the one that you don't invite to the, to, to the reunion, the second or third cousins, okay? So in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Romans, it talks about that. It talks about being sons of God. It talks about us being the branch, the assembly, the household of God. On and on we could go. His sheep, his servants, his love. Through it all, whatever name or title we wish to use, the common thread is that we have a mission. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Why? Because we live in a lost and dying world. It's that simple, folks. The majority of the seven billion people that inherit this planet, that live on this planet, are lost and on their way to hell. It's that simple. The Bible says very clearly that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go that way. Narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life. We live in a lost and dying world. You know what? Nowhere in the Bible does it command lost mankind to go to church. You won't find it in there. It's not in there. Nowhere does it say, if you're lost, go to church. But it does command the church, us, to go to lost man. That's the command that we're given. Okay? Lost man is to go, uh, is not to go to church, but the church is to go to lost man. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, let me get over there. I'll find it eventually. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14. Jesus was talking here, and he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men uh, light a candle and put it uh, under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light uh, unto them, uh, unto all them that are in the house. Let your life, uh, your light so shine before men uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here we are compared to being the light of the world. Bible says men love darkness rather than light. We live in a dark world, folks. Now, I know you flip a light switch, you've got light, but I'm not talking about that. We live in a spiritually dark world. Sin is rampant in our world today. And if you think this is bad, hang on, because after the rapture and the Holy Spirit is restrained and we are out of here, all hell is going to break loose on this planet like they've never seen before. You think sin is bad now. Wait till you've got the evil one in charge of everything and you'll find out how bad it really can get. Thank God. I won't be here. I hope you won't be here either. 
But men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. John chapter 3, verse number 19. We are the light, and the gospel is the light that they need. We don't need more politicians. We don't need more writings. We don't need more movies. We don't need more money. We don't need more riches. What the world needs is the gospel. It's the gospel that's going to save them. It's the gospel that's going to bring them from darkness unto light. It's the gospel that's going to make the difference in their lives. Because the world today is evil. But let me draw your attention to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it, be good, uh, shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the salt of the earth. What our world needs today is salty Christians. Salty Christians. Why? Because the salt has lost its savor and this is evident in our own country today. You can ride up and down the roads of this city, of this community, of this county, and you will see church after church after church at one time that preach the gospel that no longer does that. You know why? The salt has lost its savor. And when that happens, it's good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of men and cast out. It's evident in our own society. The, the salt has lost its savor. Used to be, when I was a kid, 200 years ago, some of you think that way. <laughs> some of you sitting there saying, like Fred, he's saying you are a kid. But then, you know, Fred is, you know, Fred, all the trees in the neighborhood where you grew up are now dead. I mean, just so you know. You know, just trying to be a blessing to you, brother, you know. But when I was a kid, we knew what was right and what was wrong. They're not, they're not taught today what was right and what was wrong. They're taught situation ethics, shades of gray. If it feels good, do it. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Oh, listen. When I was growing up, if I got in trouble at school, which on occasion that happened, when I got home and told my parents, I, I, got, a, <laughs> I got a note. Actually, it was, I got another one. And you need, you need to sign it so I can get it back in school. And... Uh, I never heard my parents say, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to just sue the pants off that school board. No, they beat the fire out of me. Now, maybe, maybe you, maybe you, listen, when I was 14 years old, you know, 14-year-olds have all the answers. Am I right? When you were 14, come on, be honest now. 14-year-olds, they have all the answers. They know everything. And uh, when I was 14 years old, I wanted to go somewhere with my friends. It was, actually, it was, it was a Sonny and Cher concert. 
Huh? Nothing wrong with that. And my mama said, no, you can't go. And I said, no, mama, they already bought the tickets. I've got it. She said, no, you can't go. Now, I was 14 years old, boy. I tell you what, I'll spread my wings. I tell you what, oh, in my back of my head, mama ain't going to tell me what to do. No, 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 no. Boy, I walked out of there. I cursed at mama, and I walked out of there. I got three steps out into the driveway, and boom, right to my knees, and mama standing over me with a frying pan. She said, you won't ever talk to me like that again. I said, no, ma'am, I won't. Man, I was 45, and I still broke out into a cold sweat when mama had a frying pan in her hand. I said, God have mercy. But you know what? I learned one thing. You ain't going to talk to me that way. We live in a society today where there's no right and wrong. It's all situation ethics. When I was in the second grade, the second grade in public school, now I had, <laughs> this is hard for me to say, but I, you know, I was in a Catholic school. I'm from Massachusetts originally. Don't hold that against me. I didn't have any choice. I wanted to be near my mother when I was born. Uh, but I was in, I'm from Massachusetts originally. I was, I was raised Catholic, and I was in a Catholic school until they, uh, in the second grade, they, they uh, asked me to leave. Um, not going to tell you why, none of your business. But anyway, I did. I went to the second grade in, in public school. And Mrs. Edwards, Mrs. Edwards, in our second grade class, in the public school, used to stand up every morning and read a proverb. Every morning. And you know what? I come out of a Catholic school. That was the first experience I'd had with the Bible. Catholic Missal, yeah, but not the Bible. Things, th things, things just aren't the same. The salt has lost its savor. We had a little thing back in the early 60s. You remember it? It was called busing. Huh? Busing. And all of a sudden, every church in America decided it was God's will to start a Christian school because of busing. Now, they wouldn't say that out loud, but that's what the bottom line was. And what did they do? They pulled all the salt out of the public schools. The Christian teachers left, the PTA, the school boards, all the salt out of the public schools to work in their Christian schools and look at our education system today. Isn't it wonderful? The salt has lost its savor. And that's just one example. That's just one example. The salt has lost its savor. Now, salt is sodium chloride. Now, it's found predominantly in seawater. Most of our planet today is involved with salt and don't even know it. But it's also mixed for various uses. It's mined for various uses. Um, uh, we are to be, as, as Christians, the salt of the earth. And I want to look at salt this morning. Look at salt. The first thing, first thing I see is salt is cheap. Relatively speaking, salt is cheap compared to other seasonings. You know, you can buy a, 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 a was it a 12-ounce or a one-pound box of salt for a buck something. Go buy a bottle of seasoning this big and it's, you know, $4. Other seasoning, you know, compared to other seasoning. But salt is relatively inexpensive in comparison to other seasoning. My, my question to you this morning is what does it cost you to be salty? It's pretty inexpensive. What does it cost you to serve the Lord? What does it cost you to tell someone about Jesus? 
when I was in college, up in Jacksonville, I was coming home from college one day, and I, I was in Bible school up there, and I stopped in the gas station to get some gas, and I had a, a bumper sticker on my on my uh, my car, follow me to Trinity Baptist Church. I had a bumper sticker on my car, which um, the way I drive now, I don't put bumper stickers on there at all. I don't want to identify with anybody. But uh, anyway, uh, but I pulled this gas station, I'm filling up with gas, and this, this kid pulled in in his, his car, uh, I don't know, maybe early 20s, and uh, he's standing, he's pumping gas, and he's looking at my car, and he's looking at this bumper sticker, and he's looking at the car, and, looking at the and he says, uh, hey, uh, did you go to church there? And first thought in my head was, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I said, I do. He says, uh, you a Christian? <laughs> I said, oh boy, here it comes. I said, yes, I am. He says, boy, did you tell me how to be a Christian? I sure would like to know. And I had the opportunity, pumping gas, to lead that kid to the Lord right there in that gas station. And you know what? didn't cost me anything to serve the Lord. It didn't cost me anything. What does it cost you to serve the Lord? You know what? We just had Easter. And if you were here, you witnessed you witnessed one of the rare, rare miracles in church and Christianity, a 90-plus gentleman being baptized. Folks, you, you probably have never even seen that before. And, and, and you probably won't again. A miracle of God. And you know what? He had some words for those kids that were here. What did it cost him to serve Jesus? A little bit wet. Didn't cost him anything. Didn't cost him anything. He was just being salty. Just being salty. You know, I've, I've, I've spoke to numbers of people about being saved. And, and, and for the most part, most rejected. No, nah, I don't want to hear that. No, nah, I heard that before. No, nah, I don't have time for church. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever their excuse was. And they all have excuses. Some listen. A few got saved. But not many. But you know what? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's not my job to save. It's my job to get the gospel out there. God does the saving, not me. Serving, saving is God's business. My job is to get the gospel out, to be salty. Salt is inexpensive. What does it cost you to give the gospel out, to serve the Lord? Well, I've knocked on a lot of doors. I've talked to a lot of people. I have never had anybody take a shot at me. I, never, I, don't, I don't know of anybody that I've ever gone out with that, that got a shot, that somebody shot them or, or killed them because they were spreading the gospel. Because they're, Now, some countries that would happen, but not in this country. Well, not in this country. You know, what, what does it cost you? Uh, uh, a little time, maybe, if you're being a salty Christian. If you're being a salty Christian, they'll know. They'll know. The reason most of us don't share the gospel is fear. You know, let me, let me get over Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let me look at, read you a few verses here. In Jeremiah chapter 1, and verse number 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Ooh, I'm not going to deal with that. Ah, you can, yeah, okay. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, or set thee apart. 
out and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Here it is. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Be not afraid of their faces. You know, listen, I've had some people stick their tongue out at me. I've had some people cuss me out. But, you know, if I look at this puss in the morning to shave it and to get it ready, I, if I'm not afraid of this one, I'm not afraid of anyone's. Be not afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid. Be salty. Salt is inexpensive. It doesn't cost you anything to serve the Lord. Then we see that salt melts ice. Now, in New England, they have a thing that they do when it snows. They put ice. They plow so that you can have to spend three days shoveling out your driveway. If any of you have ever been there before. New England is one of those places where I've shoveled three feet of partly cloudy. Huh? You all you know, you know what I'm saying, you know? And, and, and uh, so they, 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 they plow the roads, then they salt the roads to melt the ice. And the only bad thing about that is that also eats up the metal on your car. I had a, a Honda Accord up there, had uh, 347,000 miles on it when I got rid of it. My mechanic said, Dennis, you have got to get rid of this car. He says, you have so much rot and rust underneath on the undercarriage of your car. He says, I can put my fist in holes in the undercarriage. He says, one of these days you're going to take a left-hand turn and the rest of your car is going to go right. <laughs> he said, man, he says, you have got to get rid of this car. Why? What happened? Well, the, the, the salt is, is, is what it ate. But the salt melts ice. When we lived in West Virginia, they don't put salt. They put cinders, which is what they get from the leftover of the coal plants. They put cinders. There's black coal. Now, it doesn't do anything to melt the salt. I meant to melt the ice, but it, it looks like they're making an attempt to do something, which they're really not doing anything. And if you've ever driven to West Virginia in the wintertime, and you'll know what I'm saying, I've gone down many a hill sideways, uh, because there's cinders, but you just side down, you know. Now, uh, I'm, I'm glad my, my son was, was so uh, effective this morning in, in my introduction, because I got a story of him this morning. When we lived in West Virginia, he was, uh, I think, about four or five years old. And uh, we used to get uh, uh, what, what they call, they call it a little black ice. Uh, it's ice you can't really see. And, and <laughs> we lived in a development, and he was going to school. He had his backpack, you know, and, and, and his, his book bag and stuff like that. And we were going to school. And, and he, was, he was only, I, I don't know, uh, anyway, he's that anyway, but he about four or five years old, first grade, kindergarten, first grade, something like that. And he came <laughs> out of the front door and he stepped on the on the, the, the walkway. We had a walkway that was maybe from here to that front row long where we parked the cars. Uh, it wasn't a steep walkway, but it was it was a, a bit of a down <laughs> downgrade. And it was it was all black ice. You couldn't see it. He stepped on it and he went and he just started sliding. And he started turning around. He wasn't even moving. He was just, and he's, and he's going, ma, ma. <laughs> yeah. And he slid all the way down. He never fell. He never fell. All the way down that sidewalk till he got out into the parking lot where it, it's, but it, that's, that's what happens. Salt melts ice. Salt melts ice. You know, sin in our country, sin in our world is rampant. And the only, uh, the only way is to, to, to 
to get, we got to melt the ice of their frozen hearts. I've seen the truth of the gospel presented by a salty Christian melt hearts of stone. I've seen changed lives, renewed marriages, saved lives. And you know, you never, never know the result of who you're going to talk to. You never know. We used to, when I was in Bible school, we used to take a bunch of teenagers, very, very highly trained teenagers, to Daytona Beach uh, during spring break every year. We take about 30 or 40 kids down there, and we turn them loose on those kids on, that, on those beaches. And, and we had uh, adult chaperones. And I was a chaperone one year, and I had, I had four kids that I was responsible for. And one of the kids came up to me, and his name was Mike. And, and he said, uh, no, and, and he said, he said, Brother Shane, I have to use the restroom. And I said, well, Mike, just go up over the sand dune here. And I said, across the street is a public bathroom. You go in there. So Mike uh, went out and he walked in the bathroom and there was a kid standing over there in the corner, 16-year-old boy standing over there in the corner. And, and Mike went over and started sharing the gospel with him and tell him what it, what, what it meant to be saved. And, 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 and the kid got saved right there in the bathroom. 16-year-old boy got saved right there in the bathroom. And he started to weep and started to cry. Mike said, dude, he said, man, I said, I ju just led you to the Lord. He said, he said, why are you crying? He opened his hand. He had a handful of pills. He says, I come in here to commit suicide. And he flushed those things down the toilet, and he walked out a changed boy. So changed that the next day, he tracked Mike down on the beach and brought his sister over to him and said, tell her what you told me yesterday. He changed the heart. He melted a frozen heart because he was salty, because he was salty. Salty Christians spread a little salt around and melt some frozen hearts, cold from frozen sinfulness and wickedness. We can do that. Salt is inexpensive. It melts ice. Salt stops the growth of sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it talks about a little, little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, if you know the, the, the Bible, leaven is sin. Sin and leaven, leaven and sin is one and the same. Now, you ladies that have done any baking, uh, um, I cook, when I, when I cook, I season by taste. But when you're baking, you can't season by taste. You've got to follow a recipe or it's not going to come out right. And uh, the guy I used to work for years and years ago, where I first started working, we used to bake our own bread. He was a caterer. So we used to bake our own bread. And, uh, you know, we had a big mixer that we throw in, and you, you throw in your flour, and you throw in your water, and you throw in your, your sugar, and your salt, and your, your and leaven, which our, today is yeast. It's called yeast. And, and, you know, surprisingly enough, if you were making 80 or 100 pounds of dough, the amount of yeast that you would use was, was comparably little compared to the amount of the dough, you know. And, and so uh, we were mixing up this dough and stuff like that. And we would take that dough, we'd throw it up on a bench, and we would let it what we call proof or rise. And then we'd, we'd punch that down, punch the air out of it, and we cut it up into our loaf sizes, and we'd roll it out, put it on the pans, and put it into a proof box, which was steamed to proof it, to let it to rise. Then we'd throw it in the oven to bake. And I mixed up this, this bread dough, and we threw it up there on the bench, and, 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 and the blob just sat there. The blob did not grow. And for some reason it should have, but the blob did not grow. And uh, so uh, the boss came out and he said, Man, dude, he said, you did something wrong. And I said, no, I said, I didn't do anything wrong. I said, I followed the recipe. And he said, well, he said, he said it ought to be proofing and it's not doing anything. It's just laying there. 
He says, and, and you did some. I said, I, he said, well, let's go through the recipe. You know, and it called for so many gallons of water and so many pounds of flour and so many sugar salt. And it called for four ounces of salt, four OZ salt. And I said, see right there, 40 ounces of salt. <laughs> now, what happened? Well, you take a bite of that, it tasted like 40 ounces of salt. But what happened? There was so much salt in that bread dough, it killed the leaven. It killed the yeast. Okay? Sin in our country, sin in our world is rampant. The only way to slow it down, in some cases, is to stop it with salt. Salty Christians. Salty Christians. We can have an effect an effect on this world through worldwide missions. We can have an effect locally through our own church, through our own outreach programs. What are we doing? We are scattering a little bit of salt around. We have a young lady that comes in every week to pick up food on Fridays when we pass it out. She's a Muslim girl. I won't tell you her name, because I, 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 but I know her name. I asked her her name. I, 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 she came up and I said, good morning, how are you this morning? And, and I, I knew she was a regular, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I said, what's your name? And she gave me her name. So I started introducing her around. I said, this is Gary Williamson. This is Ga Gary, this is, and I gave her his name. And then the next week she came back, I said, hey, hi. And I said her name. And I, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to make a connection with her. You know, that poor lady is, is, is locked into Islam which is, is a, an ungodly, especially where women are concerned, uh, a, a religion, an ungodly religion. And, and, and she's locked into that. And, and I'm hoping and praying that, that maybe some way, somehow, the, uh, just our friendliness to her, because you can tell with the garb, the burqa, and you know, the, the, hair, the hair covering, all that, that, that she's, she's Muslim. And, and, and I said, I'm just, I'm, we're trying, I'm trying to, to, to reach out to her. But you know what, what would happen? You know, uh, I, I can stop the growth of that sin by spreading a little bit of salt around. Salt helps uh, with the growth of sin. Salt will melt a frozen heart. Salt is inexpensive. And then we see that salt helps heal. Salt helps heal. When I was a kid, we used to, uh, we used to make go-karts. Now, not the go-karts that they have today with a motor and no, 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 no. We used to go and find a, a hard oak plank and uh, we'd steal some baby carriage wheels somewhere and uh, we'd build a go-kart. Half the time, we didn't even have axles. We used to get big nails and nail the wheels onto that. You know, so you got, you know what I'm talking about. Go down the hill, the wheels go, you know. And we just go down there and just, you know, it, it, it was that was the way it was, you know. And it had a had a steering device, two pieces of clothesline, huh? Steer that sucker going down the road. Had a brake, piece of wood nailed to the side. If ever you had broke off in your hand, wasn't any good anyway, you know. And we, I look, I grew up on a hill. We said, big hill, we said, and we used, to, we used to race these things down the hill. And, and uh, down the hill, there was all these bushes and branches. And we'd go crashing into them things and get a million splinters up your back. And, and, and that was called fun. And uh, so uh, we used to race these things down there. And we'd go in there, bushes, crash. Now those bushes were loaded with poison ivy. And oh, boy. I had it from head to toe. And you know, back then, calamine lotion, that's all I had. 
you know, then you no know, shots, no nothing. Cal soaking the Calamine loaf, you know, just, you know. So my parents, in all of their ingenuity, would take us to the beach, and they would take me and put me in the water, and I would stand there. Ah! Mothers were coming down, pulling their kids off the beach. Get away from him. He's crazy. Get away from him. Now, there was two basic reasons. Number one, that was the North Atlantic, and it was about 58 degrees. And the other reason was I was all scratched raw, and that was salt water. But you know what? About two or three days later, that poison I was all healing up and healing up. You know why? Salt heals. Now, the bad thing was I was the youngest of five kids. So anytime my brothers and sisters wanted to go to the beach, they used to throw me in the poison ivy. <laughs> roll around, roll around. Yeah, take me to the beach, put me in the water. Ah! Mothers come down, grab the kids off the beach, and, and get all healed again. But salt heals. If we are to heal the wounds of our nation, if we are to heal the wounds of our, of our world today, we need salty Christians. Salty Christians. Salt helps heal. Salt retards the growth of sin. Salt melts a frozen heart. Salt is inexpensive. And then we see that salt is a preservative. Have you ever seen a piece of salt pork go bad? Never have, have you? You know why? It's too salty. It's too, years and years ago, before refrigeration, uh, Fred remembers that because he grew up in a cave. <laughs> so he remembers before refrigeration. <laughs> my my father-in-law who lived with us for a while, bless his heart, he, uh, when he got out of, out of the army, World War II, uh, and, and uh, or before, actually, before he, he went in the army, he used to drive the, the wagon for the Iceman. It was an eight-team Clydesdale. Eight teams, eight horses. Uh, Four-team, eight-horse eight Clydesdale, big trail, a, a, a big wagon, and they used to go down to the local river, and they would cut slabs of ice, 10-foot long, 30-inch wide, this thick, you know, something like that weighs tons, tons. Block and tackle. Put it up. Three high on that wagon. And they take it to the ice house, and they put it down the basement with the hay, and that was the ice for the refrigerators, refrigerators in, in the summertime before they come out with regular refrigerators. So they, they, salt before then was used to preserve their meats. Salty meat. You, you, you salt it down, it stays preserved. That's why you, you find stuff that, that, that is very salty. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, you know. You know, if you have high blood pressure, salt is not your friend. But, you know, there's just some things. I, you, don't give me French fries without salt. I mean, that's like, that's like, that's like sin, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 Jan says, yeah, absolutely. Her sister says, no, not me. But Jan says, yeah, that's it. You know, but I mean, uh, it, it, salt is, is it's, it's a preservative. And if we wish to preserve our right 
to worship freely. Folks, we'd better get salty. We'd better get salty, because if you think they're not coming after that, you're sadly mistaken. We need to get salty. If we wish to continue to have the greatest country in the world, not without our problems, but you think we've got problems, go travel. Well, you can't, but when you can, go travel. Go see what some of these other nations live like and what they, they uh, uh, are, are like there, and you'll, you'll find out why we are still the greatest country in the world. But if we want to be that way and continue to be that way, we better get salty about ourselves. In Matthew 5 and verse 13, it says there, if you, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You know, we as Christians have taken a back seat to Satan and his crowd. We're letting them drive the car. We're letting them run the show. We're letting them set the policies while we sit on our blessed assurance and watch the whole world go straight to hell because we're afraid to be salty because we're afraid to be salty. Listen, I've got news for you this morning. Jesus is coming again. And boy, the world... <laughs> I was, watching, I, was, I was watching this thing on YouTube, so you know it's true. It's like, oh, I heard that on the internet. That must be true. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. Anyway. Anyway, but, but it was, it was a, 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 a weather thing, and, and they were talking about that we've had five volcanoes that have started exploding in the last 30 days around the world. They've got a problem with earthquakes, not major earthquakes, but all kinds of earthquakes up the Gulf, up the West Coast, following uh, all the way over to the, the Miramar Peninsula and all that area up in there. A lot of crazy weather going on. For, you know, we just had snow in Texas in April. We got friends that live out there, and he said, he, he, he called me on the phone, he said, yeah, he said, we are expecting the lowest temperature in April in Texas since since." since 1918, this coming week. And you know what was driving that weather? Was a super typhoon off the coast of the Philippines. And I'm talking a super typhoon. Sustained winds at 180 mile an hour with gusts to 220. Now something like that hits us, folks. You might have just, I don't know about your house, my house is gonna be in South Dakota. I mean, I live in a wooden house, it's gone, it's gone. But that was driving, the, because of the force of that storm out there, was causing a dip in the jet stream, and that's what brings the cold air down. And they're expecting another, some kind of cold weather to come in again. Weather has been, has been, been pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Now, I'm not, I'm not a, a timeline setter. I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying, I believe, I, you know, Jesus is coming again. That's a fact. That's a fact. You can put that down in the margin of your Bible and underline it. Jesus is coming again. Now, we don't know when. That's why in Acts chapter 1 uh, that we were reading in there, and the disciples said, when's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? And Jesus said, none of your business. But until then, I've got something for you to do. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And you do that. Did they do it? No. No. What were they doing? They were standing there looking up. 
There he goes. He's coming back. Uh, well, let's just hang out. He'll be back shortly. And all of a sudden, there was two angels standing there saying, boys, what are you doing? This is all paraphrased, believe me. Boy, boys, what are you doing? Well, he's gone. We're waiting for him to come back. No, no. Get down to Jerusalem. Get down there and get going. He's got a job for you to do. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Ye shall be salty. Get down there and scatter a little bit of salt around in Jerusalem. And that's where it all started. Look what became of it. Not too bad. Not too bad. Jesus is coming again. What will he find at Sunshine Baptist Church? Salt that has been trodden under the foot of men and is good for nothing? Or a church full of salty Christians? Regardless of what the future holds, we know who holds the future. You know, I, I, I'm to the point, I don't, I don't, I don't watch a lot of news. Because it, it just, it's, it's either, I can't afford to keep buying TVs, you know, that throw a brick or a rock or a shoe, throw the dog, and it, you know, it, whatever. Uh, crazy people, you know, I can't afford to keep buying TVs, so I just, I, 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 don't, I don't watch that much of it. But I keep telling myself, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Jesus is in control. He knows what he's doing. Thank God, because I surely don't. And I don't need to. My wife and I, <laughs> I'm so stupid. My wife and I, we do puzzles. And uh, we started that during the lockdown. Everything was locked down, you know, so we'd stay home. So we did puzzles. And we had this thousand-piece puzzle. And she said, uh, <laughs> she said, oh, this is going to be nice. She said, I want to frame this one. I want to we'll, we'll glue it down. There's ways to do it, glue it down. I'm going to frame it. And I said, oh, okay. And we got all the way to, that <laughs> to the end of that, uh, that thousand-piece puzzle. And we were missing two pieces. Two pieces. I said, you've got to be kidding. We looked all over the house for those things. Because what I do is that we're working at the table, and I lean down to get it, and they stick to my arm. And I usually find them on the floor. Some of you are nodding. You know what I'm talking about. Try and find them on the floor. We looked all over. And I said, man, if it... <laughs> broke it all up, put it all away. She found them in the car. Two pieces in the car. Not only did they stick to my arm, I took them all the way to the car. And you know, it, it just, it doesn't, what I'm saying is, when we do a puzzle like that, it's hard to look at one piece of that puzzle and say, gee, I don't get the picture. I don't understand. God looks at the puzzle altogether and says, don't worry about it, I do. He knows the puzzle, He knows the picture. And regardless of what the future holds, we know who holds the future. And if you're here this morning and you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ has saved you this morning. Thank God you're on the winning side. I've read the last, the last of the book. I've read the last chapters. I've read the last uh, 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 book in Revelation. And we're going to come out winners. But God help those who are lost. And it's our job as salty Christians to reach them. You say, well, how do I do that? We got these little tracks in the back. Take one. Don't take a handful because you're not going to pass them all out. Take one. And thank God they don't have the name of our church on them. Because some of you are going to leave it somewhere for a waitress with a 25-cent tip <laughs> and embarrass the church. 
You know, oh, I'll leave it for the waitress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a $45 bill and you leave her a buck tip. My, but that's a big spender. Anyway, take a track. They're back there. Just take one. I don't want you to take a handful. You don't have that many of them back there. Just take one and be a little salty this week and scatter a little salt around. Give it to somebody. Don't just leave it in the bathroom somewhere. Give it to some, make a personal contact. You know our building relationships? Here, I'd like you to take your time and read that. Have a nice day. You know what, some people say, I don't want that. Very few will do that. Most of them will take it and say thank you. Be a little bit salty. Folks, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. We need to be salty. Salty Christians. Going to help prevent the growth of sin. Going to slow it down some. Going to melt some frozen hearts. It's going to be seasoning out there. Scatter a little salt around. Father, and thank you, Jesus' name, for the day. Thank you for the attention. Father, would you bless us as we go our ways. Bless us, Father, to be salty. Help us, Lord, to realize the importance of being salty Christians. Father, we're just thankful for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name.